Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. They're assembling this structure. They're like, we're missing the key part, the key cornerstone. So they had to go out searching for it. Like the label had fallen off it or something. And then they found the cornerstone and they rejoiced and they celebrated over that. I hope that that's what you have done, that you have come across the cornerstone. His name is Jesus. Do not miss the cornerstone. The absolute key to structural integrity within your life is Jesus. He holds it all together. Have you ever bought Swedish furniture? You know, the kind that comes in pieces and you take it home and have to put it together yourself. It sure can be frustrating trying to decipher those cryptic assembly instructions, can't it? And then what happens when there's that one piece that you just can't find? The one that holds everything else together? In today's message, Pastor James teaches us that Jesus is that piece in our lives. Have you found him yet? Or are you still trying to make things work on your own? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 12 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Some of the brightest minds in Jerusalem, some of the most well-versed people in the scriptures, they know the right answer. And they have to say, I don't know. We don't know. Jesus' response to them is absolutely classic. He's, I mean, this is like a boss move right here. This is like, this is amazing. He's like, well, I'm not going to tell you where my authority came from. Then I'm not going to answer you. You don't want to answer me, then I'm not going to answer you. We're like, well, Jesus, that doesn't seem very polite. I love this Jesus. This is amazing. Like, we need to be more like this Jesus, right? Like, this is awesome. He responds, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. And that's it. And then he's got a little story for them. He's got this cool little uh, parable that he's going to teach specifically and directly to these religious leaders. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. You already know. I don't have to tell you because you already know. Essentially, it's kind of what he's saying. You know. You know where John the Baptist's authority came from. You know where my authority comes from. You know. You just, you got that pride issue. You know, but you don't want to know. You don't want to know. You don't want to admit that my authority comes from heaven. So look at verse 1 of chapter 12. This is like a little warning shot for these leaders. Um, I was reading up on this, these uh, stories concerning like hurricanes, but this story passed my desk this week. Uh, in 1969, in past Christian Mississippi, there was a hurricane party that was thrown, okay? Hurricane was on the horizon, so these people had this idea of like, let's throw a party, let's throw a party, which sounds like a Galveston type thing to do, right? If I'm honest, like, yeah, some people are like, we're out of here. Other people I know are like, it's party time. Yeah, it's crazy. But the storm was on the horizon. And a, a police officer showed up to these people and, where these apartments were just 250 feet from the shore. He shows up and he's like, you guys got to leave. The storm's coming. You got to go. They're like, and they're laughing at them. They're mocking them. They're like, you're crazy. We're going to stay. We're going to party and we'll be just 
fine. So the cop did what only he could do at that point in time, and he gathered information from them concerning next of kin, just in case. And he, he was pleading with them, like, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. It's going to be a bad one. It's going to be a bad one. And don't stick around because this destruction is coming. They chose to stay. It was 10, 15 p.m. when the front wall of the storm came ashore. Scientists clocked Camille's wind speed at more than 205 miles an hour. The strongest on record, I guess, at that point in time. Raindrops hit with the force of bullets. The waves off the Gulf Coast crested between 22 and 28 feet high. News reports later showed that the worst damage came at the little settlement of motels, go-go bars, and gambling houses known as Pass Christian, Mississippi, where some 20 people were killed at a hurricane party in these apartments. Nothing was left of that three-story structure but the foundation. The only survivor was a five-year-old boy found clinging to a mattress the following day. See, they were warned. Destruction's coming. You got a heads up. You should flee. You should flee. You should make for higher ground because the storm's coming. Storm's coming. And that's what responsible people do. They give people heads up. Hey, just so you know, storm's coming. Storm's coming. Jesus with these leaders is like, I need to give you guys a heads up because you're not really listening to me. You don't recognize my authority. And in not doing so, you're also, you're just dismissing God. But there's a storm coming and you need to be aware of it. And this is kind of what he does with this parable. Verse one, it says, Jesus began teaching them with stories. It's parables. A man planted a vineyard. He built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice and built a lookout tower Within this parable, God is the guy who owns the land. God is the one who, who established the vineyard. God is the one who built the tower. God is the one who has done all of the work. He's done it all. So, says so then he leased it, he leased the vineyard, or he rented the vineyard to tenants, tenant farmers and move to another country. So he, he entrusted it with them, and then he's going to leave for a little bit. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed the servant, beat him up, and sent him back empty-handed. The owner sent another servant, but they insulted him and beat him over the head. The next servant he sent was killed. Others he sent were either beaten or killed until there was, there was only one left. His son, whom he loved dearly, and you could say, and you could probably catch on to this, his one and only son, whom he loved dearly. They won't listen to my servants. And, and really what he's referencing here is the fact that over the course of time, specifically concerning Israel, that's God's place, and God has established everything, and he has rented it to these people. And when he shows up, because the guy who owns the vineyard has every right to collect fruit from the vineyard. It is not their fruit, it is his fruit. If you are part of the body of Christ, it is not your fruit, it is God's fruit. And we're just renters. We're just renters. He owns it. He's established it all. And specifically concerning Israel, 
God has done all the work, and he sent prophets to these guys. And how have they responded to his prophets? Well, just like they responded to the prophet of John the Baptist, they largely ignored them, or they beat them, or they murdered them. And God's like, okay, well, I got one more left. I got my son. I'll send my son. And this parable is, is somewhat prophetic in nature, because we see what they do to his son, which is going to happen to Jesus in just a few days. But a note about the fruitfulness and the vineyard and all that good stuff for you and I, because there is a, there is a little hint within this parable about giving back to God, right? And the fruitfulness and all that good stuff. I, I was listening to a teaching about this, and, and this guy made mention of tithing, which don't worry, you don't get stressed out. Um, boxes are in the back. We don't pass a plate or anything like that. You probably, you may have noticed that, or maybe you didn't notice that. Um, We believe that tithing is an act of worship. It's an act of worship is what it is. It's between you and the Lord, and it's, you know, his fruit given to you in your life, and you giving back to him. But this guy made mention of this. He says, tithing is not about giving. Tithing is about keeping. Because all that you have has been given to you from God. And you're deciding how much you're going to keep for yourself and give back to him. I was like, that's an interesting way of looking at tithing. Because it's all fruit in one sense. And he's just given it to us. He's entrusted us, and some he's entrusted with more, and some he's entrusted with this amount, and all that good stuff. And, and it's not even always monetary. You know, we, I think we know that. But anything that God has given to us, it's a gift from him. And are we giving it back? Are we giving it back? He owns the vineyard, guys. He owns the vineyard. We get to work within the vineyard. They're not our grapes. They're his. They're his. He lets us keep some grapes. That's sweet. Hope you you like grapes, right? Like He lets you enjoy some of the fruit that's a byproduct of your service to him. But we got it. It's all his. It's all his. So don't, don't hold on to it too tightly. The other little note within this parable is this. If he established it, if he built it, and he's made all the provisions necessary for it to be successful, then you ought to trust in him. Just trust him. You're there. He's got you there. You're in the vineyard. Serve the Lord Jesus and just trust him. He's got you. He's got you. Doesn't feel like he's got me, but we don't trust in feelings all the time. Because there may be times where it feels like, man, the Lord's got me. And he's like, I'm sorry, where'd you go? I'm still here, but you, you wandered off. I was like, oh, I thought it was good. I've been reading my Bible every single day. And he's like, yeah, but you've been drifting away from me every single day. We can trust him when we feel like he's there and when we don't feel like he's there. The vineyard owner, so to speak, he's got you. So back to the story with his son, just if you're taking notes or anything like that, this uh, parable of the vineyard owner and all that good stuff, it's found in Isaiah chapter five. That's a good cross-reference for this. So he's got his son, his son whom he loved dearly. The rest of verse six goes on. The owner finally sent him thinking, surely they will respect my son. They will honor, they will appreciate my son. They'll love him, right? Already knowing what's going to happen, that won't be the case. Verse 7, but the tenant farmers said to one another, here comes the heir to this estate, let's kill him, 
and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him and murdered him and threw his body out of the vineyard. So their logic behind it is like, if we can get rid of this guy, then we can have this all to ourselves. Because it's not about the guy who owns the vineyard. It's about us. It's about our security. It's about our, our profits. It's about our fruit. And there's that issue of pride again. Jesus goes on to say, verse 9, what do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do? Asking them the question. The other gospel accounts let us know that these guys actually answer back to Jesus. And they're like, uh, I think he's going to kill those guys. He's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, guess what? He's coming with judgment. You're right. Ding, ding, ding. You win. Good job. You do know how to answer honestly. Jesus says, just getting them to focus in on this, I tell you, the rest of verse 9, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. He'll lease them to others. Matthew 21, verses 43 through 44, elaborates a little bit more on that, and he talks about he's going he's gonna to entrust that vineyard to, to others who are not of this group. And, and that's highlighting the fact that you know, they, they had their time, but now it's going to transition to a time of, like, of the church age, so to speak, okay? which is where we live right now, presently, actively. He says, it's going to be taken away from you guys. And these guys are tracking with him. They, they get that this story's about him. You'll see that in a second. Jesus also goes on to say, this is again why, man, Jesus is just the best. Um, he's like, haven't you ever guys read the Bible? Uh, haven't you guys ever read the Bible? Like, you guys read this? And for them, they didn't have the Bible, Bible like what we have. But he's like, have you guys ever read this book? Did you ever read this in the scriptures? The stone, this is from Psalm 118. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone or the chief cornerstone, the most important stone of the entire structure. Without the chief cornerstone, you have no structure. You got nothing. You got nothing. He says the builders rejected it. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. He's like, guess what? Chief cornerstone right here, right here. And they are so blinded by their pride and their arrogance, they just miss it. They can't accept that. He's like, I'm the key part to this whole thing. I'm the absolute key to this entire thing. The Old Testament and the New Testament, I'm the key to the whole thing, to the whole thing. And you guys threw me away. You threw me away. That story of that building, that structure was like, they're assembling this structure. They're like, we're missing the key part, the key cornerstone. So they had to go out searching for it. Like the label had fallen off it or something. And then they found the cornerstone and they rejoiced and they celebrated over that. I hope that that's what you have done, that you have come across the cornerstone. His name is Jesus. Do not miss the cornerstone. The absolute key to structural integrity within your life is Jesus. He holds it all together. He holds it all together. Verse 12, it says, the religious leaders wanted to arrest Jesus because they realized he was telling the story against them. They're like, I think he's talking about us. Um, they already don't like this guy, all right? They've already been plotting and planning to kill him a year or so before the story even happens. This is like the final straw, though. 
They were the wicked farmers, but they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him alone and went away. They left him alone and went away. Again, afraid of the crowd. Answer the question about John. No, they were afraid of the crowd. Jesus confronts them. He confronts them. And they're mad, but yet they're not going to do anything about it because they know, like, if we touch him, man, these guys will kill us. These guys will kill us. Why would they kill you? Well, because they think he's so great. Well, yeah, duh. Yeah, I mean, I was like, maybe you should pay more attention to how the people are responding to this one man who's done all these crazy things. Maybe you should, as in Matthew's account, when he's talking about the cornerstone, maybe you should just fall onto the cornerstone and be broken. Because there's two options for us today, ladies and gentlemen. You can fall onto the cornerstone and be broken, or the cornerstone can fall onto you and you will be obliterated. Which do you want? The storm's coming. The storm's out there. The storm's on the horizon. Justice is coming. Jesus is coming back. It's not if, it's when. He is coming back. The storm is on the horizon. And you could be like these guys and be blinded by pride and like, no, 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 I got this, I got this. You could be like the, the captain of the Titanic, if you know that story, the unsinkable ship, the modern marvel of the Titanic. And it wasn't until they were ankle deep in parts of that boat that they finally called out for help and it was too late. It was too late. Fall onto the cornerstone and be broken. Why broken? Because Jesus loves broken things. He loves broken things. He loves taking broken things and putting them back together. That's what he does. So if you're like, I'm a broken mess, there's no way I can go to Jesus. He's like, you're exactly who I'm looking for. Exactly who I'm looking for. I'm not a big country music fan. I don't know if you can tell that or not. I have no idea. Um, I don't know what your assessment of me is, honestly, as far as my musical taste. Um, But there was one song that came out a few years ago that just resonated with my heart, right? It was from uh, Keith Urban. He's an Australian cowboy. I don't know if you know that. Um, I don't know if you technically classify him as country music either. I have no idea. All I know is that guy has some mad skills on the guitar and the banjo. I mean, he could play anything, right? He wrote this one song called Fall On Me. And I remember hearing that song, and it always makes me think of this story with the cornerstone. It says, fall on me, shatter like glass, right? Come apart at the seams, right? And, it's just, and he was talking about he and some other guys that wrote that song, and they were going through a difficult time within their lives. And I was like, that's it, man. Like, that's it. That's what Jesus is, is like, in one sense, singing out to us. Fall on me. Fall on me. Shatter like glass. Come apart at the seams. I have to have it all together. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'm too busted. I'm too broken. You're perfect. That's what he wants. He wants us to fall onto the cornerstone to be broken by him so that he can put us back together. Put us back together. I can't do that. Well, then the cornerstone is coming and it's going to fall on those who don't want Jesus. And it will crush. I'd rather be broken on the cornerstone 
than crushed underneath the cornerstone. Jesus loves putting broken things back together. And just to finish this out and to illustrate this, there's a few little stories here. You have the story of Gideon in the book of Judges. You had these clay vessels that were uh, hiding these torches. And Gideon and his army of 300 ragtag soldiers are going to go and fight this massive army. And they, they don't have any weapons. They got a, like, a, like a trumpet or something. They got this torch with the clay pot over it. And their instruction was, shatter the clay pot. Why? So the light can shine. So the light can shine. Well, what's that going to do? That's going to confuse the enemy. And then the enemy will attack itself. You don't even have to fight this battle. All you got to do is be broken. Be broken so that light can shine. There's another story, and I referenced this already, but when this little boy showed more faith in Jesus than all of the disciples collectively, when the group is hungry and they need food, the little boy's like, here's my lunch. I got food. Here you go, Jesus. And his disciples kind of like scoff at that. What good is that? Who's that going to feed? That will feed you, little boy, but that's not going to feed everybody. And Jesus takes that little boy's offering, blesses it, breaks it, multiplies it. Everyone received a blessing that day because of this little boy's faith in allowing Jesus to take all that he had and allow it to be broken. And one last little thing. There's this lady named Mary, and this story's going to come up pretty soon. She has a year's worth of money invested into this vial of perfume. This vial of perfume, it's precious, and it means the most to her. And Jesus shows up in her life, and she takes that, and she breaks it and pours it on his feet, anoints his feet with it. We even go so far as to wipe his feet with her hair, which is crazy, 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 the significance of that. And he says to her, because of your act, this aroma will carry on and on and on. They will smell that aroma, so to speak, in Galveston, Texas. But she was willing to give to Jesus something and allow that to be broken. And everything that that little vial of perfume represented for her, future marriage, all that stuff, she put it into his hands and allowed it to be broken so that others could benefit and be blessed by this aroma, this sacrificial thing that she did. Jesus loves broken things. He can use our brokenness. He can use the things that we offer to him, take those, break them, multiply them. He loves broken things. But you can't be broken if it's all about you. If you struggle with that eye disease, right in the center of pride, right in the center of sin, and everything revolves around you, it's hard for you to be broken. But I, I'm going to encourage all of us, let's take time this week and let's just fall upon the cornerstone and be broken this week. And then watch what he does. Jesus is the best thing ever. He is truly a good, good father. Absolutely. And he loves you and he cares about you. Man, and he wants to use you. It's crazy. It's amazing. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken.
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth, culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken. Let me... Of you, babe.